What is up, everybody? We are finally back. We had a week off last week because, quite frankly, uh, it was literally the day I went back to college. So, you know, I was kind of busy that day. Garth was busy with his uh, everyone in his workplace being complete incompetent buffoons. So, you know, he had to carry the dealership on his back. But we are back. We got lots of hockey talk to, to discuss. We're going to talk about a bit about the Atlantic, specifically the Lightning. We're going to talk about the poor Arizona Coyotes and their absolutely cursed franchise in their college arena and uh, we're also going to do a bit about um, some NHA draft prospects because that's always fun and obviously towards the end we were going to do our favorite segment and I think the segment our fans like the most as well team of the week but without further ado Garth how you doing tonight buddy oh I'm fired up to get on here talk some hockey a lot of good stuff going down um you know as we get closer and closer to not only the uh postseason at Stanley Cup playoffs we also are getting closer to the all-star break um, so, you know, and, and hockey has been really, really cool this year. I think that, you know, at least in the short amount of time that I've been like avidly passionately following the sport of hockey, uh, obviously I first got introduced to the sport at a young age, but like as an adult, really, really following the sport, following a lot of players around the league. I think that this is probably one of the most interesting years, uh, like kind of like storyline wise, there's a bunch of different players, you know, crazy things going down, fantastic season. Uh, actually, one of the hockey group chats I'm in, uh, the guys were mentioning just earlier today, you know, how insane of a season David Pasternak is having. And it's not even really getting talked about because the sport as a whole with guys like Connor McDavid on pace for 150 points kind of overshadows it. But yeah, uh, kind of got off on a tangent there. But yeah, <laughs> needless to say, I'm excited to be on here tonight, man. Yeah, no, it's been an incredible season, like you said. I mean, you know, Thinking back to before the season, you know, teams like the Avalanche and the Rangers, you know, we thought were favorites to not just win the division, but probably go to the finals. And, you know, we're seeing this year, I mean, the Avalanche are, what, four, still, they're still fourth in the Central. The Rangers are in the thick of it in the Metro. Carolina's kind of taken off right now. But, yeah, it's been exciting. I mean, there's been a lot of straight, great storylines. I mean, obviously, I mean, Dave and Dreisett are still lighting up. That doesn't surprise anybody. Uh, Ovi hitting 800 was great. But like you said, it's the young guys as well. How about Jason Robertson going off as well, Garth? I know yeah. you mentioned Pastor now. Robertson is great. Tage Thompson for the Sabres has been remarkable. Um, even, you know, I'll even throw in a guy. How about Matty Beniers, Garth? I know we picked him to win the Calder, but, man, recently he's been playing like he, he isn't playing like a rookie. That's awesome. He's playing like an absolute superstar. So we've got a lot to get into, but it's definitely been a great season. Definitely a good season for us to pick our, our first season of pucking around. Uh, Good old Ric Flair, baby. Yeah, we're, we're fired up for tonight. Our good buddy Hank and Dictor saying, what's up, my guys? What's up, Hank? What's um, up, Hank? Glad you're in here, man. We're doing great. I mean, I'm still doing, you know, still doing pretty freaking good after last week. <laughs> but um, miss this show. Thank you very much, Hank. You, I was uh, I was backstage for Big Blue Avenue last week. And uh, congratulations to Hank and all the other Giants fans on a big playoff win against the Minnesota Vikings. Let's fucking go, Rangers. I can't agree with that, but, you know, I always got to respect <laughs> Hank's fired-up fandom. Hey, your buddies actually had one thrilling end to a game. Uh, I don't know if it was last night or the night before, but whenever they just recently played the Anaheim Ducks, looked like yeah, that was, was about night. to uh, potentially seal the game away, overtime, three-on-three, three, uh, phenomenal save, and they took it down. I forgot who ended up scoring for you guys, but they took it right back down the other end and, and won it. Yeah, typical freaking uh, – this is how bad the Pens have been this year, man. They need a remarkable, miraculous comeback win against the Anaheim Ducks of all yep. teams. 
But uh, we'll get in that a little bit later. Uh, first, we're going to start with your team, Garth, which is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, now, you know, we always knew the Lightning had it in them, you know, but they got off to a little bit of a slow start this year. Boston took off. Uh, Toronto also really on, went on a really good streak. But you know what? 8-2-0 and zero in their last 10 games to the Lightning. They've also won four straight. Uh, the last win being, uh, for some reason, it was like a 1 o'clock game, uh, but it was against the Seattle Kraken, and you know, we're a very good team. Very good team this year. They're about 14 games above 500. Uh, and the Lightning, you know, quite frankly, Garth, just went out and basically boat raced. I mean, it wasn't even really close. They won the game four to one. Uh, they, I think the Kraken did cut it to about two to one at some point. But then after that, the Lightning took control and were able to comfortably win that game. Much to the chagrin of our good buddy and supposed Kraken fan, Adam Miller, who is now currently monitoring a new hockey team to bandwagon to. But regardless, the Lightning are now only two points behind the Leafs for second that division guard, uh, which, you know, thinking early in the season, the Leafs were absolutely taken off. And by the way, the Lightning also have two games in hand. Now, there's still 15 points behind the Bruins. Uh, I don't know if anyone's going to catch the Bruins guard unless they go on a major losing streak. They're not just leading the Atlantic. They're leading the entire NHL. And quite frankly, it's not even close at this point. But, um, yeah, what have, been, what have been your thoughts uh, about the Lightning over the past 10 games? Do you know some players that have been standing out, things you've been noticing with their play that's really proved uh, to get them winning all these games lately? Yeah, this team is really on a tear, and it honestly isn't even just the last 10 games. It's been uh, pretty much since the calendar flipped over to the month of December, honestly, is when this team really kind of started to click, hit its stride. Um, you know, I don't like to, uh, like – say I'm right about a lot of stuff uh, because I don't want to like be bragging about my stuff, but honestly, exactly how I predicted this season to go so far has been the case. You know, I expected us to uh, kind of, you know, have a slow start to the year because there was a lot of changes in the lineup, both in the forward group in defense, you know, uh, you know, guys like uh, obviously Palat left, uh, had to trade Ryan McDonough to clear up some cap room. You know, those are two big time leaders, two guys who have played phenomenal in big time moments for this team that that left in the offseason. We brought in a lot of different guys in free agency. You know, we, we moved a few guys up from the AHL level, uh, one of them being Nick Perbix, who huge props to that. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I wish there were two rookie awards for a forward and a defenseman, uh, because obviously Matty Beneers, unless something drastically changes, is the shoe in for the Calder. Uh, but as far as defensemen go, I think Perbix is probably having the best rookie uh, season out of any defenseman um, in the league this year. So he's been huge for us uh, the whole month, really since the start of the season, though. He took right off the get-go. But, yeah, you know, like I said, no, just since the month of December, this team really came together. Uh, Cooper figured out the lines. You know, that top line of uh, Point, Cooch, and Hagel has been absolutely phenomenal, one of the best in the entire NHL. Special teams got going. We've been really good both on the power play and on the PK. Uh, Vassy also, he definitely started off slow. We're giving him not really some slack or uh, flack, rather, because we expected him to, you know, eventually turn the corner. Uh, but he's really been coming on. He almost had a shutout against the Kraken. I really thought he was going to get one, but he's been good lately. Um, just, you know, as a whole, playing really, really good team hockey. Um mm -hmm. And doing the opposite of what I complained about last postseason. You know, if you remember me, my big gripe with my Lightning last postseason was we were too dependent on like three, maybe four guys scoring. And if they were off or they were out with injury, it's like the team really just lacked 
depth-wise in the scoring department, completely opposite this year. Obviously, guys like Point, Cooch, Stamkos have been phenomenal, but a lot of other guys have really stepped up. Obviously, Hagel, he's really, really good all year, both ends of the ice. Uh, our favorite guy, Nick Paul, he's been phenomenal. Um, you know, just a lot, even some of the defensemen, Perbix has been getting in on the scoring. Uh, Hedman's starting to get his scoring back to where we're used to seeing. He started off a little bit slow as well. Uh, but yeah, overall, you know, uh, you know, it's easy to pick out one or two guys because of the star names on this team, like a Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov. But really, collectively, it's just a whole unit that plays really well together. And obviously, John Cooper, we all know, is a phenomenal coach. So they're led, you know, from that man there behind the bench. But yeah, just really, really good team hockey, you know, in all aspects. Our good buddy Tom Scavetta coming in saying, "What's up, man? What is up, Tom? What is up, Tom?" We are absolutely fired up to be back. But, no, I think I think he hit the nail on the head, Garth. I think the Lightning are, you know, and, look, it's not a surprise to anybody unless you're just like a blind hater pretty much. Uh, when, he, when you win two Stanley Cups, you go to three straight finals. Uh, you know what this team is capable of. They're not, you know, going to be put down by, a you know, a slow start or anything like that. They'll be able to, you know, rebound and get on a good streak. And, you know, like we said, I mean, they've been absolutely phenomenal lately. They're now 15 games above 500, comfortably third in the Atlantic. Uh, we'll see what the teams below them kind of do, you know, as the season goes along. But I think, you know, as we've kind of expected, that top three. Now, I will say I didn't expect the Bruins to be one of the top three. I thought it would be the Panthers. But that top three clearly cementing themselves as the best in that division. Um, I think we might actually have five playoff teams from the Metro, Garth. I mean, that te- that division has six good teams this year, it looks like. Well, five good teams and the Penguins, who are absolute pretenders. But uh, regardless, <laughs> the uh, the Lightning are doing great, like you said. I mean, the special teams is good. It's just solid everywhere. Their five-on-five is good. Bassey, like you said, had a little bit of a slow start, but, I mean, he's back up to a 918 save percentage, which is good. You know, when like you said, that first line of Cooch, Point, and Hagel has been phenomenal, especially Hagel, Garth. Um, yeah. The fact you guys stole him from the Blackhawks, I mean, I feel so bad for their fans. They just got absolutely robbed in that trade. Um, you know, he's basically point per game this year. He could score, you know, 30, 35 goals, which for a guy that, you know, was pretty much buried in, you know, your bottom six last year, a really big pro- progression for him. And that's what you need when you lose a guy like Andre Pilat in free agency. Uh, these guys, you know, to come up and, you know, have a bigger role. And he has been doing, obviously, uh, Kutrov's a freaking animal. I mean, 62 points in 42 games is just ridiculous. Stamkos, like you said, you know, you told me last night, he's been on a bit of a scoring slump recently. Uh, he's still got 49 points in 42 games, so that tells you how great he's playing early in the year, and I think he'll get it going again. I mean, he's going to get 500 goals very soon. Uh, you don't score 500 goals not knowing what you're doing. Uh, he's a stud as well. Obviously, point. They're just good at everything. I mean, Sergachev is on point. Uh, place. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him, though, because he was somebody I meant to and totally forgot. Really good on the offensive end for us. You know, points and goals, goals scoring some goals as well. I mean, yeah, I agree. You know, he's adding that uh, goals are not not necessarily goal scoring, but point scoring ability to his game because we all know what he can do defensively. He's a defensive anchor, but the fact he could have over sixty points in the blue line this year uh, definitely would make that contract worth it. When you know, I know you and I both and a lot of other people were kind of questioning that in the off season, and obviously they still do have this guy on the blue line named Victor Hedman, who we all know is you know pretty decent as hockey as well. But you know, I think like you said. Uh, it's not just the top guys because the Lightning have had that for a very long time. What the what sets the Lightning apart from a lot of other teams? Because I mean, obviously, you know, we know there are a lot of teams that have superstars. I mean, look at the Oilers. 
with McDavid, who's the best player in the NHL, and Dreisaitl, who's the you know the best quote unquote second best player on a team in the NHL, I'd say. Um, but the thing that you know a team like the Oilers doesn't have that the Lightning do, it's always the depth, man. Everyone on that team, not necessarily, will go out and score forty goals because that's just not possible. But they can play their role. They can, you know, chip in a big goal here or there. Um, you know, on the four check, you know, winning those puck battles. I mean, I'm looking at guys like, like you said, Nick Paul, who has a great contract, by the way. Ross Colton, Stanley Cup hero. Corey Perry, you know, solid, gritty veteran right there. And on the blue line, I mean, you mentioned him earlier. He just got re-signed to a contract about two weeks ago. Uh, Nick Perbix has been incredible. I mean, he's not going to go out and, you know, put 50 points up in his rookie season, but... Uh, he's real, doing really good offensively, or excuse me, defensively. And like you said, he's chipping in a little bit here and there offensively as well. So uh, really impressed by them. And obviously, I mean, in Ned Vassy, we, we all know what that guy is, in my opinion, the best goalie in the league. And even when Brian Elliott comes in, uh, he may not light it up, but you know what? They still win games when he's in there. They do their job. Uh, what's really impressed me with them, by the way, guard, just looking at their last, uh, one, what is this, last 10 games, uh, they're winning a lot of games in different ways. Uh, you know, they're able to get the comfortable wins like they did, you know, last night against the Kraken. You know, games where they won 4-1, like against the Canadians. They did the same to the Blackhawks, 4-2 against the Blues. But they, they're winning, you know, games that are still really close. They got a shootout win against the Rangers uh, about a, two weeks ago now. But uh 2-1 win there. They were able to, you know, outscore the Blue Jackets in a shootout game 6-3. Same thing with the Canucks, who they beat 5-4. Um, they're winning a lot of games, you know, in different ways, which I think is a sign of a good team because it's one thing, you know, to win a game when everything's going right and you just scoring and everything, you know, you can't do anything wrong. Any team could do that on any night. But the sign of a good team is a team that's able to win those tight games. It's able to win a game like a 2-1 against the Rangers or a 5-4 against Canucks. That's how your points add up at the end of the year. And that's why the Lightning are on a great streak recently. And at this rate, I, I mean, you know, things can change. I, you, it, this is what's weird, Garth. It's not like the Leafs are all of a sudden have lost five in a row or anything like that to where, you know, they're collapsing and the Lightning are all going on a good stretch. The, the Leafs are still playing fairly well. It's just Lightning are literally one of the hottest teams in the league right now, and, and that's why it's close. And as long as they keep it up, I mean, I think they'll eventually pass the Leafs. That said, the Lightning did lose, you know, a crucial game to the Leafs about two weeks, two and a half weeks ago. So we'll see what they do. Uh, Gordon Patrick saying, let's go Bolts. That's my dad, actually. He's a big uh, Bolts fan as well. He, I really got him into the sport of hockey, much like myself. <laughs> With you, I kind of passed on what you did for me, Noah, to him. And he's uh, he really loves hockey now, so that's really awesome. Yes, that's badass. And, you know, like Garth says, if anyone doesn't know, I actually got Garth into hockey. So uh, you can, I guess, thank me sort of for, you know, him being a hockey fan because this show would not exist without that. Ready to get fired up tonight. Well, we've been fired up from the very start, Tom. But, uh, you know, Garth, someone who has not been fired up at all this season <laughs> since early October, uh, the poor Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, or not the Carolina Hurricanes. The Arizona Coyotes have not been having a, a good go of it. They have currently lost nine straight games to fall to a 13-25-5 record on the season. Currently seventh in the Central. Like I said earlier, there's all the memes about them playing in that little crappy college you know, level arena and whatnot. But the Coyotes have not been good, Garth. And, God, I've been watching you know hockey a while. They have not really had a really good team since like 2011 when they made the conference finals 
and lost to the Kings. Since then, it's just been an absolute disaster. Constant rebuild. You know, they rebranded from the Phoenix Coyotes to Arizona. They changed their logo to, by the way, I just want to say this. Um, this logo is an absolute monstrosity. I know some people like it. I think it's one of the ugliest things I have literally ever seen in my life. Not just sports related, like literally ever. I don't know who approved this, uh, but this logo is a perfect symbol of your franchise. Just absolute disaster and calamitous. Regardless, the team, the product on the ice is not great either. They can't score. They can't defend. Uh, their goaltending stinks. I mean, Vejmelk has been okay at times, but um, he just doesn't have a lot in front of him as well. I mean, Clayton Kellergarth is, you know, really solid forward, I think. He's about point per game. He's still a minus 15 because that's how much this team cannot defend at all. And, look, I just want to say this. Uh, when your second-leading scorer is a Flyers bust like Shane Gostaspear, uh, that should tell you the state of your team right now. Absolutely awful. They're only ahead of the Blackhawks, who might possibly be the worst team in all of the NHL. This team is full of just a bunch of kids, or if it's not a kid, it's a guy like a Nick Bjugstad, who's been nothing more than, you know, at best a middle six kind of depth guy in his career. Uh, they just don't have anything, Garth. I mean, it, it's kind of sad to see that, you know, and I'm not saying this to even troll. I think this is just, you know, honest fact. Uh, no one cares about this team at all. They're completely irrelevant. Uh, the fans don't care. The league doesn't care. You know, I don't even know how long they're going to be in Arizona at this point because uh, no one goes to the games. The product on the ice is an absolute disaster. Um, it's quite sad to see, to be honest. And, you know, that's you never, as a sports fan, want someone to pity your team because, you know, that's when it's really bad, Garth. But, uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts on, on these poor Arizona Coyotes and, you know, what their 15 fans have to deal with on, on a daily <laughs> basis with this team? You know, I, I definitely uh, I feel bad for him because, you know, it's a team that for, you know, I have literally no reason in the world to root against them or want to see them do good. It's not like, you know, they're they've been lighting the world on fire, winning year after year. So you're like, OK, well, kind of sick of these guys being this good. Uh, you know, could somebody else come along? Uh, it, they just flat out suck. I think it's, you know, that team kind of like. You know, the Detroit Lions there for a while. I mean, granted, they're still not like a powerhouse or anything, but they're definitely improving and competing. Uh, this is a team that kind of like the Detroit Lions of old, where just every single season, you know, you know they're in the league. You don't really pay too much attention to them because you expect them to lose week in, week out, or in this case, game in, game out. Um, you know, they're, they're not really relevant other than they might get the top uh, draft pick in the, the upcoming draft. Um, you know, but it, it, it sucks that they suck so badly. Like, I would love to see this team do good because, like you said, you know, the, the bulk of this team is built up by, like, young prospect guys who kind of are being thrown into the fire because they're on a team that's not good. They don't have a lot of, like, experience and veteran leadership. Um, you know, they're basically guys who uh, got brought up to the NHL. Like, they're living their dreams, but at the same time, they're just getting the uh, snot kicked out of them night in, night out, all season long. Yeah. Know? So I definitely do feel bad to for to a degree for these guys, and I would like to see them improve. Um, getting potentially getting Connor Bedard could be a huge, huge help because I'm very, very high on him and his future for the sport of hockey. Uh, but yeah, they just like you said, Noah. It's not like you could point to one area and be like, okay, you know, well. Their forward group and their scoring is really good, but they have no defense and no goaltender. They're pretty much 
bad all around the board. You know, the stats aren't good. They're almost dead last in goals against, goals for, you know, below the league average in penalty kill and power play mm-hmm. and penalty uh, kill shots allowed on goal. You know, it's just they're not doing anything good. And, you know, the team needs a lot. So, you know, hopefully I would like to see them improve. Uh, they've got a long ways to go. I think that really they need um, they need a couple of good draft classes. Uh, they need to make some splashes in free agency or potential trades. And uh, they might need to end up changing cities because, like you said, there's absolutely uh, no fan support there. They don't even really have the, the support of the, the city that they're in. You know, they're fighting tooth and nail to try and get a new stadium, and they settle on playing in a tiny little uh, – college hockey teams arena uh, where they see all these other teams around the league, especially, you know, teams like Tampa, Pittsburgh, you know, mass MSG there for the Rangers, uh, Bell center for the Canadians, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs, all these teams that have like really, really good supportive, passionate fan bases. And they, you know, are so desperate for fans that they have to hand out free jerseys to anybody who shows up. They literally covered the seats and free jerseys uh, not too long ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it is really sad, I think, because, you know, you know, you never want to see this happen to a franchise guard. But, you know, just to put this into perspective about how bad their situation is, uh, the arena they're currently in has 5,000 seats total. They only sell 4,600, or that's the max they'll sell a game. Uh, there's 400 seats reserved. I don't know exactly why, but regardless, the max attendance they can have for a game is only 4,600, which, you know, c- considering there's NHL stadiums that have 20,000, uh, that should tell you something right away. But if they sold every game, Garth, for four years, which is apparently what the deal is, uh, it's a four-year deal, uh, they would sell up to 754,000 seats. To put that into comparison, Garth, the 2013-14 Chicago Blackhawks, who obviously, you know, I, was that the year? I can't remember. I don't think that's the year they won the Stanley Cup. The Kings won it that year. But regardless, uh, their their stadium, which I believe is still called the United Center, 22,600 fans per game, which means for a 41-game home slate for those that Blackhawks team, is 927,000 fans by themselves. So to put that in comparison, and that's assuming they sell out every game, by the way. Uh, the Coyotes would need four seasons to match what the biggest arena can do in one season. I mean, it's just embarrassing. And like you said, I do feel bad. There's a lot of young kids that are on this team that just don't really have a lot around them. Uh, Dylan Gunther, uh, you know, 2021 first-round pick, uh, may happen to Logan Cooley in a few years. Um you know, I hate to say this as well. I don't like to, you know, bash on the young players, but unfortunately for a number five overall pick back in 2018, I think Barrett Hayton has been a complete disappointment. Um, it's just hasn't quite ever worked out for him. Uh, there's just no hope. I mean, they can't do anything right. Their power play stinks. Their penalty kill stinks. Uh, they can't do five on five either. I mean, look at this, Garth. When you lose 6-2 to the Philadelphia Flyers, that should tell you something about the state of your team because the Flyers are not good. They got killed by the Sharks as well. They lost the Senators who haven't been great this year. They even lost the Penguins. The Penguins freaking stink. They needed a miracle to beat the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, I do feel bad for them. They even lost to the Blackhawks. Like, come on, man. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely is sad. It, you know, it's... It's a, it's a strange thing, right, when a franchise estate is so bad that you go from trolling that team 
and making fun of them to generally feeling sorry for them. That doesn't happen a lot. Like even your Florida Ganders, like I don't, I haven't gotten to a point where I pity them. I just love to troll them, but you know, there's still, there's still hope at least. Uh, these guys, there's like no hope at all. Like they need to relocate. Like this, this just isn't sustainable. Like they're playing in a freaking college arena, Garth. I'm not even going to talk Arizona State football. Arizona State hockey is probably a bigger draw than the Arizona Coyotes are currently. I think the worst thing, honestly, is the fact that where they're at, they don't even have the support of the community or the city. You know, it feels like every so often you see this new article or new post about how, you know, they're fighting tooth and nail to try and get a new uh, arena approved. And the city is kind of just like, stop bothering with us. Go, go away. <laughs> go back to that college arena. Yeah, and like Jesse says here, Veg Milk is not getting help at yeah, all. He's, he's just left out to dry. He's so. had uh, you know, some really good stretches this season where he's played really well. But I agree. You know, when when you're stuck on a team like that and you're you standing on your head is like the only hope and prayer that your team wins that night, you know, especially being a younger guy, you know, it's tough. I've been against the Sharks in a weekend and there were more Sharks fans than Arizona fans. I mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and the Sharks aren't even good. I mean, they haven't been good for a few a few years. They 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 clearly need a rebuild. But um, yeah, I mean, that just tells you how bad it is there from Jesse. By the way, if you guys are watching and enjoying, have not yet, uh, make sure to leave a like on the show because it helps spread our show around in the Facebook algorithm. Would really appreciate that. But moving on to a team that has a lot more hope for their future, Garth, uh, one of the youngest you know teams in the league. You know, lots of young superstar talent. The Minnesota Wild signing winger Matt Boldy to a seven-year, $49 million contract extension uh, this season. He would have been a RFA after this year. Uh, in case you guys are not that good at math, like I'm not, that it that equates to $7 million a year for Mr. Boldy. Very young guy, Garth. He's still only 21 years old. Uh, he, he has had 29 points in 42 games this year. He has 68 points in 89 career games played. Uh, he made his debut last season. Um, the contract also contains a 10-team no-trade clause in the final two years of the contract. Um, looking at the state of the current Minnesota Wild cap space situation, um, they have $78.7 million against the cap for this year. Next year, obviously, that'll go up, but they have a couple guys up like Ryan Reeves, uh, Frederick Goudreau, and on the blue line, Matt Dumba, $6 million. Uh, we'll see what happens there. That'll definitely be interesting. But we always got to remember, Garth, the uh, cap is expected to go up. Uh, pretty rapidly in the next few years. Next season will be pretty much the same, but after that, it'll go up. So I'll throw this to you, this one to you first because th this is a young guy. Now, obviously, when you look at the price tag, $7 million for every single year for seven years uh, is a lot. This is a contract that's going to take him until he's almost 29. But, um, you know, this is the thing we see, that these guys want to lock up their guys early. You don't want to risk them hitting RFA, someone making an offer sheet or whatever. And, you know, potentially not being able to match it, it could be way higher than $7 million. Um, You know, I'm not too sure about this one, Garth. You know, he's definitely a very talented player, but it's very early into his career. So I will say it's not like he, he got $10 million a year or something, $7 million a year. I've seen uh, far worse players get that and far older players get that. But what were your initial reactions when you saw that the Wild gave Matt Boldy this contract? Yeah, I, I mean, I was, you know, a little bit surprised because – you know, like you said, it is still very, very early in his NHL career. Um, you know, he was back in the 2019 draft, but he hasn't played at the NHL level yet uh, up until this season. Um, you know, so he's definitely one of their younger prospect type of players. He is having, 
you know, a pretty solid year, 12 goals, 17 assists, 29 points. You know, that's nothing to shake your head at. That's pretty good for a first-year player. But, um, you know, I, I feel like this is kind of a situation where, you know, they're seeing something there. They have a lot of, like, faith and potential in what this guy is going to be that they said, hey, uh, we might be jumping the gun here, but we got to uh, take the risk and lock this guy up long-term now before mm-hmm. he does become like an actual bona fide superstar and we have to pay even more for this guy. So, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. If they're right and this guy does pan out, then, you know, they save the money. They potentially could add more talent to this team. Uh, if, you know, he kind of falls flat, well, all of a sudden now you overpaid majorly for a guy who is not living up to expectations and, you know, you mu- you're not going to be able to get your money back. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I'm not like totally against it. I don't think it's a bad move. I just definitely was a little bit surprised. Um, but, you know, also too, this team, you know, doesn't really have a lot of, you know, like young guys that I could see them keeping really long-term outside of obviously guys like Kaprizov. I think Kalen Addison on the blue line, they've got, you know, some high expectations for him, but there's a lot of older like veteran type players on this team. So you know, it does make some sense to me. No, I'm just also a little bit surprised. Yeah, I do think it's a bit surprising. Um, like you said, I think it's kind of one of those wait and see contracts. You know, a few years from now, it may look like a brilliant signing. He's absolutely killing it. Maybe he's point per game, and you say seven million is an absolute steal. Uh, they do also have Kaprizov signed to nine million a year, which I think is very fair for how great that player is. But um, I think the main thing for the that that would work against the Wild. Uh, is there dead money? They bought out uh, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, which you know accounts to a you know a good solid around twelve to fourteen million uh, for their cap for the next three seasons, Gar. So that definitely could play a factor. But um, Zuccarello will be out of a contract in two years, so that could be six also million. Also, thirty-five off the years old. Yeah, he is uh, definitely getting up there. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think it'll work out. I mean, I don't think they'll be in cap hell or anything like this. This isn't going to be a big deal especially if he works out uh, the capital skyrocket um overall i think it's a good risk it's a it's a managed risk it, you know a really young guy like you said he's still only 21 years old and he's shown he has some talent so i mean overall you don't really know until about three or four years down the line how it's going to look but um you know as of right now i'd probably give him you know a good solid thumbs up on that one uh sam Steele has been great he has former anaheim duck Yep. Tom saying the last time the Sharks were good was 2019 when they won that double overtime versus Vegas in the playoffs on Easter. I remember that like it was yesterday. That was a freaking ridiculous series. Yeah, we actually we actually had a good buddy who uh, was lives out there in Cali who's a big San Jose Shark fan, and I can definitely remember the messages. He was going to some of those playoff games and sending us videos and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Matt was fired up. Uh, he wasn't as fired up last season when the, the Blues went out and smoked him, but, um, you know <laughs> – it is what it is, man. But uh, yeah, I like the move. Um, you know, definitely a, a solid risk there. I th- hopefully, it'll work out for him. I, I do really like some of the players Lightning have. Um, so yeah, uh, moving on to the next one. This will just be a little bit of a shorter segment, I think. But um, you know, the World Juniors wrapped up uh, recently. Unfortunately, uh, Team Canada actually smoked the U.S. in that semifinals game, and then they they won it all. Um, so you know, I thought. It'd be a good idea to kind of, you know, very early. A lot of this can change, Garth. A lot of it can change very fast. But I thought it'd just be, you know, a good idea to just kind of do a quick highlight of some of the top 
uh, NHL draft prospects for this year. Um, this is from, you know, and obviously these lists are all over the place, but you know, I kind of tried to find one that looked most similar to one of the one, most of the ones I found. This is from Tony Ferrari from the Hockey News website. Um, but we're just gonna kind of go through, you know, maybe the top five to ten, give give some brief thoughts. And obviously, Garth, we're gonna start with the consensus number one pick, the guy people's have said that could be the best draft prospect since Connor McDavid um, or potentially even Sidney Crosby all the way back in 2005, and that is Connor Bedard, center for uh, the Regina. I think they're like the deer or something. I don't remember. Pats. I'm not good. Pats. What are they? Pats. That's right, yeah. the Regina Pats. I'm not good with CHL team names, Garth, but um, uh, this guy's an animal. I mean, I saw some stat you sent me like last week, Garth, that he had like 43 points in 12 games over the last month um, to win. Obviously, obviously he was player of the month, which is ridiculous. But when you're averaging three or four points a game over a month stretch, I mean, my God, dude. But um, he absolutely annihilated the World Juniors. It wasn't even close. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about this guy. That hasn't been said a million times already, Garth. Uh, this guy is an absolute animal. And like it says here, he's not on a very good team. It's basically a one-man show, but he's leading the CHL. Uh, so not just the WHL, he's leading the entire Canadian Hockey League, which is three, you know, amateur hockey leagues, Garth, in both po goals and points. Um, incredibly fast and skillful, like it says there. He's not the biggest guy, obviously, five foot ten, 187, but uh, you know what? He's still a really young guy. He can always put on weight later. He, the most important thing is your talent, um, and this guy clearly is overflowing with it. Um, really good playmaker as well. Uh, obviously, you know, Garth, we kept up with this guy through the World Juniors, and you've been at least casually keeping up with what he's doing in the WHL. But, uh, yeah, just, just some quick words on, on this uh, ridiculous prospect here, Garth. Yeah, the kid is absolutely insane. Like you said, uh, he's not really on that great of a team there, the WHL, one-man show. Um, you know, like you said, something absolutely ridiculous, like 40 points scored in the span of like 11 or 12 games. You know, so averaging almost three or four points per game. Um, you know, he's just such a phenomenal skater, puck handler, shot maker. You know, he's just – there's so many times where you just see this guy, like, skate around the entire defense like they're not even there and then just drive a puck home. Um, you know, and he led World Juniors, actually, in scoring uh, nine goals, 14 assists for 23 points. The guy in second place, Logan Cooley, seven goals, seven assists for 14 points. And also, too, the key stat to me, uh, Noah, is he was plus 14. So, you know, I wouldn't say he's an elite defensive prospect, uh, but he definitely, you know, has some two-way ability to his game. I think what I noticed most about him is he's good at stealing pucks, you know, to create breakaways for himself. That's something that he's really, really good at. Um, but, yeah, you know, when you're talking, you're one of the youngest players in the entire tournament and you are easily outscoring guys who are you know current drafted nhl prospects like logan cooley and jimmy snuggerug you know that's pretty insane to me personally and he's been killing it you know every level that he plays at whl world juniors it doesn't matter you put him on the ice and and he just shows up game in game out and i think that's that's really the biggest thing to me Noah, is it's consistency it's not mm -hmm. like this guy goes out and drops a hat trick and then you know, he doesn't score for another three or four games and has another hat trick. It's like every single night this guy is playing absolutely insane, uh, which to me personally, you know, me, means a little bit more. You know, I don't really put Great. as much faith into guys who are streaky. 
you know, I, I like the guys who can night in, night out produce, whether it's just points, whether it's goal, mixture of both. You know, I want the consistent uh, score on my team versus, you know, the guys who go through really long, rough slumps and then, you know, have an insane game and then it's right back to it. But yeah, you know, consensus number one pick. Uh, like I told you, I just hope that he doesn't end up going to a team like the Flyers, but they keep winning for whatever reason. They keep deciding to win games, so it's looking good on that front. Yep. Yeah, keep screwing up that draft pick, Flyers. You guys can't do anything right, but um, no, I completely agree with you. And this is a thing, Garth, right? Like last season, you know, 2021-22 uh, for the Regina Pats, like you said, um, he had a great season, obviously. He had 100 points and 51 goals in 60 games played, which is phenomenal. You know, that clearly shown why he's the number one pick. Uh, but this season, Garth, you know, when these guys get in their draft year, you, you think sometimes, okay, a guy might, you know, with the pressure of trying to be number one, might have a bit of a slump year. Shane Wright's uh, a perfect example of that. Yeah, exactly. But this season, Garth, he's been even better. 78 points and 36 goals in only 31 games played. We talk about point per game, Garth. Uh, when you're above goal per game, I mean, that's just absolutely insane. Uh, this guy is playing the best on his draft year. Uh, he's clearly going to go number one. I mean, it's not even a debate, in my opinion. It, it's kind of like, you know, when those Crosby or McDavid draft years where just everyone kind of knows what's going to happen. It's just a matter of who's actually going to pick him. Um, like you said, I hope he goes for a team I can really root for because um, I'm going to absolutely love watching this guy play in the league. Um, a bit of a weird tidbit here, Garth, before we move on to the next prospect. Um, we could potentially have two of the best players in the league, both named Connor. Uh, and McDavid and Bedard, uh, both play in the same position as well. So we'll see what happens there. Moving on to the next prospect, we have Adam Fantilli from the University of Michigan. Now, Garth, Michigan has become a bit of a powerhouse in making these prospects the past few years. I mean, think back to 2021, the top two prospects in Owen Power and Matty Beniers, both from the University of Michigan. Obviously, we know Beniers is doing this year, and Owen Power has a lot of potential as well. Kent Johnson as well, who went to the Blue Jackets at number five this year, or that year, excuse me, also went to Michigan. Three Michigan Wolverines in top five of draft is absolutely insane. This has become a phenomenal university for developing NHL-level talent. Um, and this guy is no exception. He's six foot three, 192 pounds. Like it says, he's the most realistic challenger to Bedard for first overall. I still think Bedard will go number one. Um, Fantilli is absolutely dominating the NCAA sitting second in the nation scoring despite missing a few games with an illness. Um, he's very powerful. Like I said, he, he's much bigger than Bedard for sure, but he's still very skillful as well. I don't know how much you watch college hockey, if at all, Garth, but do you have any thoughts on Adam Fantilli here? Because I know we always talk about Bedard, uh, but we have to remember there's a lot of really good prospects in this draft as well. So a little bit of a cool story here with Fantilli. Um, he actually is a Canadian guy. Born and raised there in Canada, played for Team Canada, actually. Uh, some of the guys that he was playing against for Team USA are actually some of his teammates there at the University of Michigan, and they kind of asked him, like, hey, man, you know, you beat them in the championship game when you guys got back to campus. Were you talking any trash to them? And he was like, no, honestly, I was just keeping it low-key because I am way outnumbered there. <laughs> I just decided to keep my mouth shut and, you know, just be content with having beat them. But, yeah, you know, Canadian guy, he comes down here, he, he goes the college route, um, mm -hmm. which is really cool. We're starting to see more and more players elect to do this now, which I personally really, really like because, you know, I wouldn't say that I, like, definitely don't, like, passionately or regularly follow college hockey, uh, yeah. but I do at least pay attention enough to know, you know, like, who the better teams are in the nation, 
you know, who's likely to win a championship if they've got any like major key prospects like Fintelli there at Michigan. Um, so, you know, I think as more and more players elect to do that, if, you know, it becomes a trend, I think it'll help grow the sport of college hockey as a whole, honestly. So, you know, I think it's just a, a cool bit there that he chose to do that, especially being from Canada. He's not an American born player. So, you know, that that's my two cents on that. He's really phenomenal player. I didn't even talk about that. This dude is a absolute stud. He did it at the world juniors level. He's, you know, leading the way in college. Another potential, you know, NHL superstar out of the University of Michigan, just like you said, now producing guys like Powers and Ben Years recently. Speaking of the state of Michigan, our good buddy Jake Warner is coming in saying, go Red Wings. Yeah. Really solid young team Demon there. needs to get hot because that fourth seed is wide open right now in the Atlantic. Absolutely. Tom's saying hockey draft analysis. Love it. Yeah, I love it too, man. I mean – I've been on, uh, you know, NHL draft live reaction shows the past two years, and Garth was on the last one as well. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, the draft is always fun for every team um, because, you know, you get to see all these kids, their dreams coming true. But it's also a time where pretty much every team, no matter how bad a state they're in, um, usually has a lot of hope going into it. So, And obviously, you know, discussing amateur players is always fun as well. Uh, McJesus and Bejesus. Uh, I'm going to have to remember <laughs> to call him Bejesus because that's pretty clever there by Jesse. Fantilli is a stud. Absolutely agreed. Um, speaking of another stud guard, uh, we have Leo Carlson here who, you know, is over in the SHL. Uh, professionally, he's not playing in amateurs like, you know, most of the prospects do. Six foot three, 194. Now, looking at his stats guard, 15 points and four goals in 27 games played in the SHL this year for Arebo. I'm so sorry. I probably just absolutely butchered that team name, but I'm not Swedish, so, you know. Um, but, you know, some people look at that, and if they don't really follow these guys, you know, they'll say, yeah, you know, 15 points in 27 games. It's really not that special. He's a minus five as well. Don't see what the big deal is. Uh, but, Garth, you know, real quick, go ahead and let everybody know, in case they're not, you know, familiar with the SHL, why is having that many points as such a young guy impressive in a league like like the SHL when it wouldn't be in the CHL or the NCAA? Yeah, we actually talked a lot about it, uh, as you mentioned, with some of the draft shows that we were on last year. Um, you know, why that's significant is he is playing against other grown men who are professional athletes. He's not playing against, you know, people who are essentially either kids or, you know, they might legally be an adult, but still, you know, build-wise they're kids because they haven't got to the professional level. They haven't developed fully. Um, you know, he is playing against other grown adult men who are professional, who have plenty of years under their belt of playing hockey at a high, high level. So, you know, basically, even though he's a bigger sized guy there at six foot three at 194, he still essentially is a kid or a very young adult uh, playing against grown men and, and still being able to produce. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. And the SHL is, you know, really good league. It's probably, I'd say the third best professional hockey league in the world behind only NHL and probably the KHL. Um, there's a lot of, you know, former NHLers over there, by the way, a lot of, you know, NHLers when they can't quite get a gig in the NHL anymore, uh, that's one of the top leagues they go to. Uh, there's a lot of really good players of, and like you said, this is a guy who's still, you know, a teenager playing against guys in the, you know, their low to mid thirties. I mean, think about that argument that a lot of people have a college football, right? Could a college football team beat an NFL team? The answer is no, because even the best college football team still has a ton of kids on there that aren't ever going to be NFL quality. Whereas every player, no matter how bad the team they are, is they are on, is an NFL level player. 
Um, so then put that in the context for a hockey standpoint where someone is playing against, you know, players, a lot of players that were good enough to be in the NHL when they were younger. And if not, there's still players that have been playing professionally for, you know, maybe 10 plus years to come in as a kid and still produce um, is absolutely phenomenal. So really, yeah, I definitely- really big reason though, why mm-hmm. Slavkovsky ended up going number one overall instead of somebody like Shane Wright. So we're seeing the NHL put more, uh, you know, uh, salt, if you would, behind guys who are playing in leagues like this overseas. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I I think that's not going to go away anytime in the future. Um, Speaking of another really talented player, Garth, uh, the first two guys we talked about were centers. We're going to talk about about two wingers here before we kind of move on to our next subject. Uh, Zach Benson of the Winnipeg Ice, that is one team I do know in the CHL. Um, five foot ten, 150 pounds, a uh, very talented goal scorer. Garth. I think that's what he's going to be. Um, obviously you don't want to compare these kids to professional guys, but I mean, think of, you know, a Patrick Kane or a David Postonac type of build a player. I think that's what he's kind of showing in the WHL here. Uh, he had 25 goals last season in 58 games. He has 23 and only 35 games this year. Um, 35 assists as well. So he's got 58 points in 35 games. Uh, just absolutely killing it for Winnipeg this year. Um, but the problem, I think, for him, obviously, he plays in the same league as Connor Bedard. He's maybe a bit overshadowed. He's also a winger, which, you know, for some people is, you know, a little less lower on, or a little lower, excuse me, on the draft radar because center is, you know, a more important position. So, and plus, he's only 150 pounds, which, you know, there's always plenty of time to put on weight. But even for kids, uh, 150 seems a little bit small to me. But once again, like I said earlier, it's all about talent. What can you do on the ice? And in my opinion, this guy is a stud winger. Um, he's great off the puck, like it says there. Um, he knows where to be at the right time. He's a very smart player. He's really good defensively. He's probably one of the best defensive forwards in this draft, Garth. He's very, you know, like it says there, lightning quick processing. He knows what to do at the right time um, to where even if there are guys who are more purely talented than him, uh, he can use that to kind of get a bit of an uh, advantage. And uh, once he gets this puck on a stick, obviously, he's dead. he has a deadly shot. I mean, he's an absolute killer uh, with that. But uh, any thoughts on Zach Benson here, Garth? Yeah, a really young guy. You know, he's only 17. Like you said, definitely a little bit undersized. Uh, but, you know, me personally, I know all too well what undersized players can turn out to be because a guy that my own Tampa Bay Lightning owe a lot of uh, – big playoff wins too, or at least was a big part of helping us win playoff games was a guy by the name of Yanni Gord, who, you know, obviously a little bit heavier, but right around that same height, um, you know, a Braden point as well. He's a smaller guy, uh, you know, so I got a little bit of a soft spot for these smaller guys like this because my Tampa Bay lightning have utilized them very, very well. And they've been huge for us, but yeah, young kid, a uh, little bit undersized, but I'm sure he'll, you know, put on some weight. He'll he'll add some muscle to his frame. Uh, but the thing that jumps out to me, Noah, the most about him, other than the fact that he is a phenomenal scorer, he's a good two-way winger, um, you know, consistent improvement. His first year there in the WHL only played 24 games, uh, 10 goals, 10 assists for 20 points. Last year, 21-22 season, 58 games played, which I believe is – a full season, if not very close to a full season. I forget exactly how many games they play. Um, 25 goals, 38 <laughs> points, or sorry, 38 assists for 63 points. This year, through 35 games, so 23 less, 23 goals, 35 <laughs> assists, 58 points. So he's almost matched his goal 
his assists and his total points from last year in 23 less games. So, you know, consistent improvement so far every year for him, especially in the scoring department. Um, you know, and obviously that first year he probably was kind of buried in the lineup. That's why he didn't play that many games. But so far this year and all of last year, he's been on the ice a lot. So, you know, goes to show he's probably a, a very dependable player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jesse's saying TJ yes, too. Can't forget my guy TJ either. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this uh, draft class is looking very promising. Um, you know, obviously people will focus mostly on Bedard, but uh, give some respect to these other guys too. They, there's some absolute studs in this draft. Um, and another guy I think could be really good, uh, Matvey Michkov, who plays for SKA Neva, St. Petersburg. Um, so sorry if I butchered that once again. I am not a Russian. Um, even though I do study some Russian history, um, I do not speak the language. But playing in the VHL Garth, which to my understanding is the second highest um, organization for hockey in Russia. Obviously, it's below the KHL. But he has played in the KHL for SKA St. Petersburg, which uh, I don't know if that – I don't know how this quite works. I don't know if this team is like a subsidiary of the St. Petersburg KHL team, but just has a similar name. Not too sure. I don't keep up a lot with Russian hockey, but um, – you know, he has played in the KHL before. And this year in the BHL, he's had 14 points in 12 games, uh, 10 goals as well. It's kind of the same thing, you know, with Carlson earlier, Garth. This is a guy that has um, – he's playing against professionals once again. He's not playing against, you know, a ton of kids. Uh, he's very dynamic, a very entertaining player, like it says there. Um, but the thing, you know, thing I think that sticks out to me, like it says here, very consistent. When you're point per game in a league that is pretty good in the BHL, uh, that's just what you can do. Um, it does say here, you know, sometimes he likes to play hero hockey a bit, which um, can kind of, you know, bring him down a bit. Uh, that can happen a lot with these younger players. They're trying to make a name for themselves, and maybe they don't always make the right play. But um, it says that the end there, I think, you know, puts it perfectly. can compete with any of the five players ahead of him on the list. Any thoughts here, you know, in particular about Michkov? Uh, I'll be completely honest, though. Unfortunately, I do not follow Russian hockey that closely. And I think, you know, a big part of it is we don't see too much of it. Like, if you're not out there actively searching for it, unfortunately, you know, it doesn't get the coverage that it deserves. But what I will say and what I do know for certain is that just think about literally since the year 2000 on, uh, Russia has produced some of the best forwards in the NHL. You know, obviously Ovechkin, your guy, and the guy also that I'm a huge fan of, Gino, Malkin, yep. uh, Kaprizov, Kucherov, you know, even at Goldie, Igor, you know, my guy Vasilevsky. Um, you know, so what I've noticed specifically with Russian-born players is, you know, a lot of them do like to stay over there and play at the professional level in Russia, or they take a while to actually come over here to the U.S. Uh, but the few that we do get over here, seems like they almost always end up becoming these big, huge name superstars. You know, they're either a forward that's absolutely absurd scoring wise, like those game names I just listed off, or they're like an elite uh, goal scorer. Also, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Sorokin is also Russian. You would be correct. So, you know, it's like we don't, we might not see tons and tons of them in the NHL like we do with Canadian players. Uh, but the ones that we do get over here, you know, end up being nice. some of the best players in the entire league. So, you know, hopefully he ends up being the next one. Um, great question from Tom here. I want to address this. For those who may not know, why are there specifically so many Russians in the NHL? Um, 
this this history goes back about probably 30, 40 years now. There's a lot to this. Uh, but long story short, because we're running a bit short on time, um, ever since the Soviet Union collapsed, um, a lot of Soviet players, Garth, for years wanted to come over to the NHL. But obviously they couldn't because, you know, the whole Cold War going on, you know, blockades and whatnot. Uh, the Soviet Union did not want their best players going over to the United States to play hockey. After it collapsed, obviously that kind of, you know, that, that went into a bit of leeway. Um, and so players started to, they call it defect. I mean, it sounds like a bad word, but it literally just means, Hey, I'm leaving. I want to play over here. And so that was when you started to see guys like Sergei Fedorov, Pablo Bure, Alex McGilney come over to the NHL. And obviously we all know those players were absolute studs. I mean, hall of fame level players, uh, but around the late eighties, early nineties, when, you know, even when the Union hadn't officially collapsed, but everyone knew it was kind of inevitable. That was when these guys came over, uh, and since then it just hasn't stopped. And plus, another reason, Tom, uh, quite frankly, um, you know, we're not going to get into the political side of it, but for years the Russian economy has not been the best. The ruble isn't exactly a stable currency, so a lot of these players they realize uh, they can play uh, hockey. Obviously, not only in a better league than the KHL, they can make more net money doing that as well. I mean, look at—I'll bring up a recent example: Ilya Kovalchuk, Garth. He left the NHL. He retired from the NHL to go play in his home country of Russia. And what do you know? Three or four years later, he says, you know what? Uh, this was a terrible decision. I want to go back to NHL. Now, was that because he's like, oh, man, I, I don't like playing here. Um, I love America so much. Or was it more like, man, I ain't making shit over here. I want to go back to the NHL where I can make a lot more money. That's obviously much more likely. Um, and plus, the other thing, um, Russia is a massive country. So they have a very high chance of, you know, producing a lot of really good hockey players, which like Garth said, I mean, we may not have a ton, especially compared to Americans or Canadians, but um, yeah, when they come over, they're absolutely ready and they're absolute studs. So uh, just a few reasons, um, you know, ever since the Soviet Union's collapsed, uh, they've been able to come over and they've been taking advantage and, uh, you know, there's just been some absolute studs. Colby Barlow is a two position player that could jump higher in the draft and possibly beat Michkov, in my opinion. He's also bigger, and some of these lower-tier teams don't need centers as much as they need wingers. Uh, we'll probably do more draft prospects in the future. Unfortunately, when you kind of get in these de in-depth discussions, uh, it can take a little bit of time. I mean, it took us like 15 minutes just to talk about those five guys. But we'll definitely do more players like Mr. Colby Barlow in the future. But until then, uh, moving on to the next and final segment, Garth, we have our teams of the week for Week 14. Now, just a uh, future reference for future weeks. Uh, even if we do not a show, do not do a show, um, we're going to start doing the teams of the week. We didn't do that uh, the first few times we didn't have a show, but last week, even though we didn't have a show, we still did them. So unless like something absolutely catastrophic happens, like Garth dies in a car accident, or you know he gets drunk and runs in the middle of an interstate, um, we're still going to try and do the teams of the week. But um, yeah, Garth, uh, we're going to start with your team of the week as we usually do. Let me get it up here real quick. Um, so for week 14 here, you have Nathan McKinnon, uh, Patrick Laine, which is one that definitely stuck out to me. I don't think he's been on either of ours so far this season. Lucas Raymond of the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Quint, Quint, Quinton, or also known as Quinn Hughes, brother of Jack Hughes. Uh, Ryan Graves of the New Jersey Devils, teammate of Jack Hughes. And obviously the Otter, Jake Ottinger, um, who I did pick to win the Besna. We'll see if, if that works out. Honorable mentions, uh, Nikita Kucherov, obviously, Kale McCarr, and... 
a guy you mentioned earlier in Elias Stroke and Cigar. Go ahead and walk us through it. Why did you pick these players for your team of the week this week? All right. So I will try to be as kind of sweet and to the point as possible, Noah. So we also got to get your list in here. And we kind of uh, not by no means is a bad thing, but we definitely kind of uh, we had a lot to talk about. So I'll keep this one short and sweet to the point. Uh, obviously, starting there at the top, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, part of this decision was the fact that that Colorado Avalanche team, as we've talked about so much this year, you know, reigning Stanley Cup champions, everybody expected them, maybe, you know, not to win a president's trophy or anything, but definitely to come into the season and easily be one of the best teams in the NHL because that roster is still loaded. They've got a lot of youth still, you know, so they've got guys that when healthy can play every single night, don't need nights off. Um, you know, has not been the case because they've been battered. They've been beat up guys in and out of the lineup all year. You know, a lot of inconsistency with the, with some of the key faces who have played a lot of games like a Kale McCarr, because, you know, obviously it's tough to perform at your best when, you know, half the roster is out to injury, or at least the guys that you're used to playing with on the same line as you are all out to injury. So, you know, that was part of the reason. The other reason being he actually led the way in scoring over the past week with nine points total, three goals, six assists. That was two better than anybody else in the same amount of games played. Uh, and one thing that really, really stood out to me now for him, plus minus of 11. Nobody else in the forward group was even close to that. Obviously, you know, that isn't an end-all, be-all stat, but still, very, you know, definitely stood out to me, shows he's playing good both ways. I know he's really good in the face-off circle. That's a stat that you like to pay close attention to. Um so, yeah, you know, good combination of those two points there. Uh, secondly, Patrick Laine. This is a guy who, much like McKinnon, is stuck on a struggling team, except the Columbus Blue Jackets just flat out suck, which, you know, kind of stinks to me because it's a team that I guess you could say I softly root for because I love their color. Uh, you know, their team, red, white, and blue. I'm a sucker for that. I like their team name. You know, they've got a few players that I really like. Boone Jenner actually showed you a card of his I picked up recently before we got yep. on here tonight. Uh, but yeah, you know, the other night, I do believe he had a hat trick. Uh, but overall, you know, six points total in four games, three goals, three assists, which, like I said, I do believe the three goals came from a hat trick game. Um, you know, so really the main point with him was that he has played solid. Uh, but mostly the fact that he's doing it on a team that is just flat out abysmal, not quite to the degree of the Arizona Coyotes, but they are not far off, unfortunately. Uh, rounding it up, Lucas Raymond. This is one of those young, very talented guys there on that Detroit Red Wings team that if they're going to be a team to uh, you know, potentially get into playoffs and win some series and even maybe another cup, this is a guy who is a very – large key part of that process uh you know only 20 years of age he's got to play a lot both this year and last year one of the more well-known younger prospects in the league right now uh in four games he had three goals four assists for seven points which was tied for second best uh with my guy nikita kucherov and also matthew to um you know so i think mainly there that was just production and the fact that he's really young uh looking to help lead the way for a team that hopefully is on the come up there with a lot of ties to my Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but that will wrap it up for the forwards. Moving on to defenseman Quinn Hughes, Noah, another guy who is stuck on a team that I wouldn't say is bad, uh, but definitely needs a lot more to be a more competitive team. Very up and down this season. Uh, but this guy outside of when he was injured early on has been phenomenal, but he really 
you know, was on his game over the past week. And really, you know, the past couple of weeks, I've been, you know, paying a little bit of attention to him. I got to see him up close because he did play my Tampa Bay Lightning recently. And he was one of the guys on that Canucks side that really stood out to me. He was always, you know, fighting for the puck, aggressive on the forecheck, but he also was very active in creating offense for his for his teammates, involved in a lot of scoring chances. Uh, in four games, two goals, five assists, seven points total, and a plus minus of six on a team, as I said, that's really been up and down and struggling. So that was impressive to me. Uh, and then secondly, for the defenseman, Graves there. Uh, what stood out to me, you know, other than the point production, plus minus of nine, so really good on the defensive side. But one thing that I like to pay attention to now with these defensemen is, you know, how involved are they in doing things that defensemen do? You know, checking, you know, hitting guys, being physical, trying to kind of gain momentum for your team. They're the grinders. You know, they bring the physicality night in, night out. They're trying to force turnovers, you know, keep guys out of the crease for your goalies. Uh, this guy far in a way had the most block shots with 15. The next closest was like six or seven. And also he was up there. It wasn't leading the way, but he was up there in hits as well. So I liked, you know, what he did mostly in the actual true terms of what a defenseman should be doing. And then last but not least, the Otter. I think he's been on both of our lists a couple of times so far mm -hmm. this season. A guy who we're both uh, very big personal fans of, uh, Jake the Ott, Ottinger. Um, I gave him the, the slight edge over Sorokin because of the fact that Ottinger, 0.97 goals against average, 965 save percentage. Uh, he was undefeated. Um, you know, he didn't uh, quite face as many shots as like Sorokin or even guys like Bobrovsky on there, uh, Huso as well. But I think what was crazy is that just how absolutely shut down he was. I mean, when you're below uh, goals against average, you're below one for goals against average, you're doing something right. And he is definitely a huge yeah. part of why I think that Dallas Stars team is overachieving. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, obviously, I love Ottinger. I picked him to win the best, and he's looking like a pretty good bet for it right now. He's been great. Um, McKinnon's obviously a stud. You know, like you said, the team may be underachieving a bit, but he's still carrying his weight. Um, Line, I think we mentioned on the show probably about a month ago. Um, very talented player. It's just can he do it consistently? Uh, we haven't been able to see that a lot, but he did have a great week, like you said. Lucas Raymond, um, you know, former really high pick for the Red Wings, you know, having a you know really solid stretch right now. Uh, team, you know, very young, very promising. Obviously, they're not quite there yet to where we know they can comfortably be a playoff team, but uh, they definitely have a lot of potential. Your guy, Stevie Y, um, doing, you know, did a lot of good there. Um, and obviously, Quinn Hughes, I think, is a stud. Ryan Graves, really solid defensive defenseman. Um, and your honorable mention, I mean, when you got Kutrob, you know, Makar and Sorokin, um, as your honorable mentions, and we all know what those guys can do, <laughs> that shows it was definitely a tough week. Um, to choose these players. Tom saying a couple of new faces on there, indeed. I believe Graves and Raymond are first-timers for Garth. No, they're first-timers for both of us, actually. They have not I been on our Line list. Line A and Quinn Hughes are also first-timers for me. I think I so. I, I know McKinnon. Obviously, Ottinger's been on ours quite a bit. I think McKinnon was on, like, one or two. But, yeah, the other four guys on here, I don't think have been on one at all. Uh, Tom saying thanks to history lesson, Noah. No problem, old boy. Um that hair adds an extra inch to the back of his head for Mr. Ottinger. Indeed. It might and help now, him see slightly better through the goalie mask. Maybe that's why he's on such a tear. Maybe. Who knows? But moving on to my team of the week, and uh, like the one we did on our last live show, Garth, there is going to be a bit of similarity 
on this one. Quite honestly, uh, this could legitimately have been the closest week we had to just being unanimous and agreeing because I really considered putting in Jake Ottinger uh, as my goalie as well. But I'll go through this real quick. You kind of already hit the nail on the head on uh, most of these guys. Uh, McKinnon, like you said, nine points in four games is ridiculous. Led the league in scoring. But he was also a plus 11, which uh, just absolutely pretty much smokes all the rest of the forwards. Uh, he was definitely the first name on my sheet here. Um, just absolutely incredible week. He just did pretty much everything just incredible. I mean, 14.3 shooting percentage as well. He's getting the puck on the net a lot and taking advantage. Uh, moving on, Connor McDavid. Realistically, this guy could probably be on our list most weeks. Um, you have to have a fantastic week to get ahead of this guy. But, um, yeah, when, when six points in three games, Garth, and three goals and a plus two uh, is your kind of, quote, off week, uh, that tells you how good McDavid is. Uh, but another big reason I put him on here, Garth, what have I always said to you? My two little complaints about McDavid as a player that keeps him from being a complete superstar. Well, he's already a superstar. I'm not saying that, but, but from, you know, it's just two little minor complaints about him defense and faceoffs. Well, this week, Garth, he won 64.52% of his faceoffs. Um, so when you add that into his God given talent offensively, um, you get an incredible all around player. If he can keep that up, because he's been really improved on the faceoffs this year from what I've seen. Um, good luck, because that just means that the Oilers are going to have even more puck possession than they already have, and uh, clearly they can already score at will as it is. So, uh, yeah, this guy is becoming an even more complete player right before our eyes. And then Lucas Raymond, um, you know, really solid week for him as we had seven points in four games, three goals as well. Uh, he was also a plus three, and he's also doing that with only 16.55 time on ice per uh, game, which – compared to a lot of the players around him, is actually pretty low. Um, another guy that is not on my honorable mentions, but I do want to give a quick shout-out to, uh, Cole Perfetti. Had a great week as well, only yes. averaging 13 minutes Another per one game. of those young studs in the NHL right now. He had six points and was a plus six as well. Other guys that weren't honorable mentions, but I want to give a shout-out to, obviously Kucherov had an incredible week. Um, yeah, he, he did great as well. Dry side was always there. Malkin had six points in four games, so, you know, guys, shout out my guy. Braden Point and Jack Hughes had good weeks as well. Uh, but moving on to the defensive core, this one was definitely a little easier for me. Quinn Hughes uh, was just consensus. He was the one that stood out the most immediately. He had seven points in four games, was also a plus six. Um, good defensively as well, you know, hitting a little bit, blocking some shots. He had a great week. Uh, but Ryan Graves, Garth, this one definitely stood out to me. He had five points in four games, which a lot of guys kind of had around there. But things that stood out that you mentioned, he was a plus nine, and then obviously 15 block shots and six hits. And he was just kind of doing a bit of everything over the last week for a, a doubles team that's kind of starting to find their form again. So um, definitely, you know, a surprise player getting on there. But, yeah, he had a really good week. Now, Sam Montembeau, this one was a really tough, Garth. I definitely heavily considered putting in Jake Ottinger. But the reason I put in Montembeau, um, he did have three games played, and while his goals against average is much higher at a 2.01 compared to Ottinger, uh, he also faced 119 shots over three games. So a guy facing, you know, a solid 40 so shots per game, and he had a 950 save percentage. Compare that to John Gibson Garth, who over the last week faced a similar amount of shots, who had an 868 save percentage. Uh, Montebo was absolutely standing on his head for the Montreal Canadiens over the past week. So while I did really consider Ottinger, I just barely gave it to Montebo. Other honorable mentions, obviously, Kale McCarr. He could be on the list, kind of like McDavid, pretty much every week at his position. And Matthew Kachuk, another guy that had a really solid week. 
Uh, but yes, that is my team of the week, and that will wrap up our final segment of the show. So real quick, Garth, before we do get off here for the night, uh, do you have any final thoughts uh, as we close here? Yeah, I've actually got a little bit of a funny uh, kind of tabloid-type topic here that seeing Connor McDavid on your list actually reminded me about, and I'm surprised that uh, none of the viewers commented this either you know, recent while you were going over your list there with McDavid popping up and reminding them like it did me or even earlier in the show just to try and, you know, give us a talking point. Did you happen to see uh, what came out for kind of, you know, I wouldn't really say news, but I guess it's news because it's Connor McDavid. Uh, what kind of his superstition is and what he's been kind of quietly doing for years in the NHL that's just now getting noticed and, you know, making like headlines for NHL. You know what? I didn't actually. What was that? So he actually revealed uh, that he his superstition for hockey, which a lot of these guys are very super superstitious in this sport. You know, we have things like the playoff beard and this and that. Uh, mm-hmm. His superstition is that he actually wears the same socks every, mm-hmm. night in, night out. Every single day? Not Not every single day, but like every game that he plays, he has a specific pair of game socks that he wears for every single game. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, well, there you go. Uh, Connor McDavid wears the same stinky socks for every single game. Um, <laughs> it's out there. But um, look, when you're you're scoring like two points a game uh, for the season, you can do pretty much whatever you want. You can go out. I, I won't say you can go out to the game naked. But, um, you know, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for Pucking Around tonight, guys. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, really good show back. A lot of a lot of comments, a lot of interactions, a lot of fun topics as well. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern once again. But until then, from myself, Noah Dog Dobber, and my good buddy and co-host, Guard Charger Patrick. Um, hang on, one last comment from Jesse. What I caught was a great episode, guys. Thank you very much. Um, this yeah, been huge shout out, Jesse, for tuning in tonight. Uh, fun fact, Noah, this is one of the the small group of really, really awesome guys that – I've got to know partially because he's a fellow Tampa Bay Lightning fan and also partially because he is a hardcore uh, hockey and sports card and general collector, just like myself. So huge shout out, really good group of guys. And, you know, when they're able to, they like to show some support here on Puckin' Around. So I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. That's awesome. Appreciate it, Jesse. You have a good night as well. But until next Tuesday, um, you know, have a good one. Hope your hockey teams keep winning unless they're the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, But until then, keep pucking around. We'll see you next time.